questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Has there been a sinister alien plan in place to influence world governments, financial systems, and scientific institutions throughout history? Was there an Eisenhower Treaty with the Greys, signed at Holloman Air Force Base in 1954, that gave the aliens authority to abduct humans for quote-unquote research? Did reptilian-influenced ex-Nazis infiltrated the U.S. government? Have reptilians created alien-human hybrids under their control to replace the human population? These are some of the questions answered in a new book titled Alien World Order, The Reptilian Plan to Divide and Conquer the Human Race, authored by tonight's special guest, Len Kasten, a UFO researcher and freelance writer. He's a former member of the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, NICAP, and the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON. And he's the president of the American Philosopher's Society. He has been a feature writer with more than 50 published articles for Atlantis Rising magazine. And he joins us not too far away from me in Casa Grande, or Casa Grande, Arizona. Hello, Len, and welcome back to Veritas. How are you? Hi, Mel. I'm great. It's great to be with you again. Great to be with you. It's been a few years now. There was a I book know. in the middle, I think, uh, uh, Project Serpo, that we missed for some reason having you on. All right, exactly. Yeah, we did speak, but I don't think that we talked about the book. By the way, since you live in Casa, is it Casa Grande or Casa Grande? There's always a debate. Uh, very few people here really call it Casa Grande. It's it's mainly Casa Grande now. Gotcha. It's Casa Grande. It's anglicized completely. Well, Len, we are used to discussing the New World Order on this program. The title of your book is Alien World Order. Are you implying that Earth is ruled or planning to be ruled by an alien race? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Now, why do you say that? Others are now coming around to it. Stanton Friedman has just meant, has just talked about it. Linda Moulton Howe is now talking about it. Of course, David Icke has been talking about it for years. Others are finally coming around to seeing our situation here. It's taken this long for our consciousness to penetrate the fog that they have us under and to comprehend what's going on, but it's clearly... Clearly, I'm totally convinced it is exactly what's happening. Now, you begin the book by discussing the work of H.G. Wells and some of his work. You know, it, you know, we know it's, it's almost prophetic. Let's begin with H.G. Wells, not, not to be confused with Orson Wells, who narrated uh, War of the Worlds in, in, in 1938. What are some of the things that he prophesied that seem to be coming true? Well, I think that book that I mentioned in my book, The War in the Air, was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it was so accurate about World War II that it would be hard for anyone to have gotten any more accurate than that. I mean, he wrote that book uh, in 1907 when, when the Wright brothers had barely gotten their craft off the ground. And here he, just, here he laid out a, a scenario of a complete world war fought in the air with planes. So uh, most people thought he was lying. They thought he was actually deceiving. And the headlines in the New York newspapers was flyers or liars when they reacted to the Wright Brothers uh, uh, news. So at that point in 1907 to have written a story like this and to have so, so beautifully described Hitler 
what could have been Hitler. Of course, he didn't call him Hitler. But a person like that, he calls him Albert, I believe. Uh, it, it was very overwhelming. And as I said in the book, it, it was not more than just a psychic, more than just psychic knowledge. It had to be something like a, a, a crystal ball a la Nostradamus because it was so accurate. So for somebody like that to have written the story, The Time Machine, you just had to pay attention to it because of his, because of his history and his reputation as a prophet. And uh, that book, The Time Machine, was an exact description uh, of what we are going through today. And it certainly would involve what he called the Morlocks, we would call now the Reptilians. Well, about the Wright brothers, he wrote this shortly after. But even during the time when they were flying those planes, people didn't believe him. And they took him to court. You know the story. I know, I know. Flyers or Liars was the headline in the New York Times, in the New York Herald. Exactly. Now, Alarch, how do you think that he was able to describe Hitler so well? I don't know what, I don't know what his powers of prophecy really, where they came from, but he had them for sure. Uh, because to, to have written this story about a war in the air at that point in history to know that we would actually we would actually encounter a war in the air because that's what World War II really was was a war in the air, from the German rockets through to the B-17 raids, it was all in the air, and uh, to have done that, he had to be getting his information from a very esoteric source. Uh, he, it could 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 be it could be considered remote viewing. And if I were to give it a name today, that's what I would call it. Uh, he evidently had the ability to do remote viewing. It's the only way he could have done what he did. Could we say the same thing about, I'm just, I'm drawing a blank. What's his name? Uh, uh, Journey to the uh, Bottom of the Sea. Jules Verne. Jules Verne, yes. Same thing, Jules Verne. Jules Verne, possibly, and also Edgar Rice Burroughs. That's right. I mentioned Edgar Rice Burroughs because... His book, Princess, Princess of Mars, was really the predecessor to Star Wars and Princess Leia. She was a reincarnation of, uh, of the princess from Mars. Is that right? Well, yeah. In fact, I, may, I wrote one paragraph on Burroughs. All the things, all the things that, he, that he anticipated were unbelievable. All the developments, the scientific developments. So, uh, and, and, you know, and, and George Lucas does give credit to, uh, to Burroughs for his, a lot of his ideas. So you think uh, a lot of the Star Wars script was based on that story? I do, I, especially the tempo, which was the, the pace of the story, the way it, the way it, it unrolled, un, was very much like Princess of Mars. And, and, and since Lucas does give him credit for it being an inspiration, I think we could say there's a direct, direct, direct line of descendants, descendant from, uh, from Burroughs to Lucas. But, but you see, I can see how people like uh, Gene Roddenberry and George Lucas and some of the others, uh, you know, what's his name from E.T.? Why am I missing these names, E.T. and Poulter guys? What's his name? Uh, from E.T.? Yes, the director of E.T., Steven Spielberg? Steven Spielberg. How can I be forgetting that name? See, <laughs> all these people, they have been exposed to, to so many science fiction 
the science fiction genre. I mean, Flash Gordon in the 1930s was great and all that. But these people, Burroughs and, and Jules Verne, where did they were not exposed to science fiction. They created science fiction, didn't they? Exactly. And even Journey to the Center of the Earth, that, you, really yes. are, you really are journeying way down now under the Earth. And so that was prophetic in a lot of ways, too. Although we haven't gotten to the center of the Earth, we I guess you're familiar with the Genesis story about the civilization under the South Pole. So definitely. Which is apparently being, being uh, discovered now. By the way, since you're a a good investigator. You probably have heard of all these nation leaders and religious leaders, even Buzz Aldrin going all the way down to Antarctica. What do you think they're uncovering there, Len? Well, you know, for a long time, I just believed that the reptilians had their colony there under the, under the ice and that they invited Hitler to build his refuge there because they were basically behind him in World War II. They were really uh, co-conspirators. And so they were together in this. That's the only explanation as to why Hitler would have gone to all that trouble in 1938 to create an entire colony with botanists and scientists and and all of his all of his top scientists in the anti gravity development were all sent there. New Schwabenland, right? New Schwabenland. Why would he have done that in 1938 when he was just gearing up for World War II? It was, you know, unless he unless he knew he was invited there, and he was he was basically being he was being really being sponsored by the reptilians, which I'm sure he was. I know he was. And there's plenty of evidence to show that Hitler did not die in that bunker. All we see is a picture of a smaller man, and some people say that it was the Russians actually who who uncovered that it was a woman. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. Even though, did it have it had a mustache, didn't it? Well, it had a mustache. Whether it was a real mustache or not, I don't know. But no, I, I've seen the pictures of that dead body, and it does not look like Hitler at all. I know, it does not. And the the dental work does not really match. And you know that Stalin was Stalin told Truman at the Casablanca conference. I mean, sorry, I think it was the Alta. I'm sorry, at the Alta conference that Hitler was not dead. Now, did he say that after they unburied the body? Because the Russians were the ones who, who, who found him, right? Yes, the Russians got there, got there first. Wasn't Yalta the final conference? Which was, what was the final conference between the big three? I think it was Yalta. Yeah, was that Yalta? Yes. And when Stalin told that to Truman. And uh, that is quoted in several places. Hitler is not dead. He's still alive. And we have a, a – I'd like to spend more time later on this because he went to Argentina. He lived in a house in the border with Argentina in Brazil. And you have a picture of that, that house. And I'd like to know what happened there with Eva you know, Brown and, and so on. You know, the fact that they had this base, New Schwamela, but the United States also had little America there too, didn't they? Uh, yes, they did, but it was nothing like what they had there at New Schwabenland. New Schwabenland was a very sophisticated colony. Their top, their top scientists were sent there. Kamler, the guy who was in charge of the development in, in, in Czechoslovakia, that's where he ended up. And uh, he was in charge of all the secret uh, scientific development programs in, in, uh, in Czechoslovakia. And when the Allies got to Prague... 
to he was gone he was gone and he never showed up again so i'm quite convinced that he if he didn't end up in argentina he definitely ended up in in um in the schwabenland and again we'll discuss more of this later because this has always fascinated me that the way that he was all you know was able to evade the intelligence apparatus of the united states even after dulles created the CIA, but that's a, we'll talk about that later. Now, a large portion of your book is dedicated to, again, the reptilian race. In fact, the title, again, of the book is The Reptilian Plan to Divide and Conquer the Human Race. Why do you say that? Well, it's becoming more and more clear that they have been living underground ever since Atlantis went down, where the Atlanteans actually forced them to go underground because the Atlanteans had high technology, too. Uh, and I've made the point in my book that the Atlanteans were a very fierce human race. They were not the human race that you and I know as Homo sapiens sapiens. They were different. And the reason they were different is because they really came from the, from the Pleiades. Originally, they came from Lyra, which we, all the humans did in this galaxy. But they, they, were, uh, they were sort of uh, rebels in the alliance, in the human alliance that resulted – when the reptilians destroyed three planets in Lyra. Uh, so though that, that race of humans that populated Atlantis was able to actually defeat the reptilians on this planet because they had high-tech weaponry, they had, they had spacefaring technology, and ultimately they destroyed Lemuria and caused it to sink. And so the reptilians had to take refuge underground at that point Roughly, roughly 50,000 years ago, and they've been down there ever since. Again, we hear of this reptilian race by many researchers, but I'm yet to see one piece of evidence in the fossil record. I mean, I know we've had giants because there's plenty of evidence to that. We had the Homo fluorescensis, which is the little people in Indonesia. But for some reason, the Smithsonian history books, they don't want to talk about it. But we haven't seen anything in the fossil record or perhaps even before humans that were here. You know, why can't we find some physical remains somewhere? Have you found any evidence of this, Len? Well, you see, what you have to keep in mind, Mel, is this. The reptilians actually inhabit the fourth dimension. They're not really third-dimensional creatures. They're not really 3D physical creatures as we understand it. That we That's can perceive the them, huh? Okay. Right. That's the reason they're able to, to dominate the dreamscape and to program people at night and to go in and out of, through windows and doors without being stopped and to participate in the abductions. Now, the abductions themselves are being done by the greys who are really just little bellhops oh, for the reptilians. But the reason we're not seeing their, the, the, the fossils is because they're, third, they're fourth dimensional entities. That gives them tremendous power over us lowly three-dimensional creatures. They can pop in and out of sight. They can pop in and out of invisibility. They can shapeshift. So if these fossils do exist, I'm sure they're at a very deep level. And actually, I don't think there are going to, we're never going to find very many of them. Interesting. You mentioned that they, the reptilians dominate the dreamscape because I had a similar conversation in very thoroughly with someone who respects you a lot. And I think he wrote a little something at the introduction of your book, Jason Quitt, didn't? Yes, Jason's a great guy. And great guy. 
Terrific writer. Terrific writer. Yes, and he mentioned that, that sometimes you can, if you are engaging in out-of-body experience and you're starting to dream, you go up and you can see this entity standing next to you, a reptilian trying to dominate and put things into your mind because that's the only way they can do it as opposed to the physical world. That makes, I guess it makes sense, doesn't it? Exactly. I mean, that's how, that's basically how they dominate us is through mind control. You know, we are being kept at a certain level of consciousness deliber deliberately. That's how they do it. They, they are masters of doing that. They're a much older race than we are. They go back thousands of years in the Draco constellation. We are newcomers to this whole game here. According to, uh, to Stuart Sverdlow, and I'm very confident that his, that his, uh, his history is, is rather accurate. I don't know how accurate, but uh, what he says is that the human race is only about 40,000 years old. And I think, based on all the evidence that I've come up with, that sounds like about the right number. That's how long we've been around. So we're dealing with a race of beings who go back to distant star system and are millions of years older than we are. So it's, you know, the sides are not exactly balanced here at all. They can, they can basically manipulate us, and they have been manipulating us expertly for many, 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 many long years. So if humans have been around and I like Stuart Swerdlow, for about 40,000 years. Then what about these artifacts that you know, archaeologists continue to find? The Antikythera mechanism comes to mind, and the, the Baghdad battery, and a bunch of other items that are hundreds of thousands of years old. Then if it was not humans, who were they then? Well... We know there have been several other models of humans before ah, Homo okay. sapiens came along. Uh, Neanderthal were supposedly died out just around the same time as the Homo sapiens appeared. And Sverdlow says, and I believe he's right, that we were really created by 12, uh, 12 different human races from the galaxy who pooled their DNA and created us. And that, those early models, such as Cro-Magnon, Homo erectus, and Neanderthal were the first attempts before they got it right. And it took a while, but they kept tweaking it. And ultimately, Homo sapiens sapiens came along around 40,000 years ago. But that's, that's, that's a different race than the Atlantean humans. It's a totally different race. Because they were here about 50,000 years ago. They, they had their highest civilization. Their golden age on Atlantis was about 50,000 years ago. And that makes more sense to me. And again, this, is, this show is not about my opinion. It's about my guest's opinion. But I personally don't buy us coming from apes. Again, not a single piece of evidence in the fossil record showing an ape in transition. I think that Yes, I think that there was another type of humanoid in the past, and I am willing to bet it was much, much smarter than we are today. It had a, a, a longer lifespan. Thank you for listening. 
To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.